Welcome, Wildcats fans, to a special episode of Weber State Weekly. I'm your host, Colby Peterson, and with me on the pod today is longtime panelist and a guy we haven't heard from in a while, John King. How you doing, John? Doing well, Colby. Great to be here. Great to be here. Yeah, we're excited, man. So uh, we have a special treat for the Wildcat fans this afternoon or whenever you listen to this podcast. We're going to be chatting with Jeremy Sanglin. It's a name that you folks, if you've been around Weber State for a while, you remember this guy. We're excited to talk to Jeremy a little bit about his pro career. You know, it's been a while since Jeremy has graduated from Weber State and has gone on to a successful pro career, not only in the NBA, but now he's playing in European in European basketball. So we're going to talk to Jeremy a little bit about how that works and uh, how he's been doing. And so, so Jeremy Sanglin, thanks for taking some time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. No problem, man. I appreciate you having me. And we appreciate you because I know you're busy and uh, I think it's off season right now for you folks, but uh, appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and kind of updating Wildcat fans on how you're doing. And especially, you know, all time leading three point makes at Weber State. That's a record that belongs to you. So let's start there, man. Let's talk a little bit. You know, you had a really successful career at Weber State. One freshman of the year in the Big Sky 2014 was one of the on the team that last won the Big Sky championship in 2016. That was a great game, by the way, held the uh, I held a watch party down at McCool's that that night. So, yeah, big win for you folks. But uh, a lot of accolades as a Wildcat, man. And so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to, you know, before we started talking about your pro career, you know, talk to us a little bit about your time at Weber State, you know, highlights, things that stand out to you before we move on to professional basketball. Yeah. um, I mean, it's crazy how time, you know, flies Uh, four years there. uh, Some of the best times of my life, you know, meeting the people I did and my teammates still talk to a lot of them to this day, you know, so uh, a lot of relationships throughout that time. And um, a lot of, like you said, memories, highlights of my life happened uh, during those four years. And uh, I became a better man, obviously a better player. And, you know, it taught me a lot that's helping me still to this day. Yeah, well, uh, definitely some good times for us. You know, I had the opportunity to watch you play in the D and then go on and hoist the Big Sky Championship trophy and head on to the tournament, the last part of the last team to go dancing for the Wildcats. But let's talk a little bit about your pro career, man. So after graduation, uh, you ended up playing in the Summer League, uh, playing in the Brooklyn Mm -hmm. Nets organization. So talk to us a little bit about that transition, man, because I feel like a lot of people don't realize, I think that they think that if you don't get drafted in the NBA, that they're like, that's just it for you. And that's totally not the case, man. So talk to me a little bit about playing in summer league in Vegas and, you know, kind of going beyond there playing in the, in the G league. Yeah. um, I mean, it was a good experience. I I was able to get in, uh, you know, a feel of how things work uh, in the NBA. You know, a lot of people watch it obviously on TV and, and have the chance to do that, but actually being behind the scenes and, you know, going through the training and, and seeing how professional it is, you know, it's a, it's a good experience, especially as a kid growing up, wanting to be in that, um, you know, and the time was, the time was well spent. You know, I learned a lot through that. It's a, it's a totally different game. You know, every, I feel like every level up, it gets, it gets more difficult. It gets, you know, you learn a lot more. You have to kind of think the game more, um, you know, that's going from high school to college, college to professional. So um, yeah, it, it was, a, it, it kind of reminded me of AAU, the AAU circuit, because how the games are played in summer league. Um, you don't really have too much time to practice and everything, but, you know, you just got to always be ready, especially when your name is called. And, um, you know, um, the Brooklyn Nets, they, they treated me well. And like you said, if you don't get drafted, there's still opportunities and still a lot of phone calls done behind the scenes, you know, that people don't know about. And uh, a lot of things, opportunities, like I said, uh, that are made. Yeah, man. So you had a, I'd say like a, a banner opportunity and uh, probably your best game in the G League came January 24th. You guys are playing the main red claws 
And uh, you ended up dropping 40 on those guys. Talk to us a little bit about that night, man. Just kind of like, what was it like? Because yeah. like, I, I feel like that that right there is vintage Jeremy Sanguin. Like that's the guy uh-huh. we saw in the D. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a crazy night. It's, it's crazy because I remember uh, specifically, uh, I think I had around, I think 32 points or something. And it was like only the third quarter beginning because I, I didn't play a lot in the fourth. Um, so it was like, I had 32 and I didn't even know how much I had. And I remember the assistant coach, coach Josh was just telling me, he was like, don't worry, you're going to get 40. And, um, cause they were trying to run a play for me cause I was hot. And I was like, I don't even know, like, how, what do I have? And he told me I had 32 and you know, like there's still time in the third or whatever. And I, like I said, I didn't even know how many points I had. I was just playing, you know, I got in the rhythm. My teammates were finding me then. And I just remember feeling good that day. And, um, yeah, I, I broke that record. And, uh, <laughs> then a few games or a couple of weeks later, one, another one of our teammates got hot. He had like 42 or whatever. So, mm. but yeah, like everything's, you know, meant to get broken and, you know, I had fun with it and it was, it was all good. Yeah. I mean, that's def- definitely a big one. And I'd say, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear kind of the behind the scenes on that, like the in the huddle stuff, because mm-hmm. as a fan, you watch that, like, oh, this man's hot. Like you got to get him the ball. And it, it's nice to hear like, yo, coaches see that too. And mm-hmm. they, they're, they're drawing stuff up for Jeremy. Cause they know, you know, he's coming off a pick, whatever. He's knocking down shots, like find, find him, find a way to yeah. find him because just, just like feed him. Cause this man, he's, he's getting his tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. That, and that, that's a good thing about it. You know, uh, a coaching staff like that, you know, you, a lot of these players wouldn't really have those games if they didn't have the coaches in their corner or the teammates as well. Cause you know, you got to have that unselfishness to somebody notice that you're hot to give up the ball, to give, give you opportunities and that coach to leave you in the game and to draw up plays for you. So, you know, all these, you know, big games from people come from, you know, the opportunities and the people around them as well, not just them. Mm. So, Jeremy, you played 2017-18 uh, with the Long Island Nets, and then you know you make the move overseas to um, uh, uh, you make the move overseas to France. One thing I've always wor- wondered about is, you know, I'm a huge. I've always been a huge basketball fan. Is how does that process work? Like, how do how, you know? How do you kind of get notified about the opportunity overseas? And then, like, mm-hmm. you know, what does that look like as someone who you know <laughs> starts playing professional basketball in America and then makes a transition overseas, you know, and goes and plays in a league over there. Yeah. Uh, so the opportunity just comes because, you know, basketball is worldwide. So, you know, a lot of it's, it's crazy. All, all a lot of overseas coaches, uh, like my coaching staff, I will watch them watching NBA basketball or, um, you know, the, the college tournament, NCAA tournament. Um, so they're, they're keeping their eyes on us just like a lot of NBA scouts and everything are keeping a lot of, eyes on European players as well, you know, so basketball is worldwide. So, you know, you're getting looked at all the time uh, from everybody. So um, I'm, I'm guessing, um, you know, that they, they saw film on me, you know, they wanted a specific player cause you can have a certain amount of Americans um, over there. So, and I guess I fit their, you know, team at the time and they saw that and, you know, my agent, um, I, I work with an agency that's, you know, kind of worldwide, you know, big, pretty big agency. So, they're based out pretty much everywhere in the world. So they just, you know, got in contact with him. He contacted me, told me the opportunity, told me the situation and everything. And we explained it. I talked to the coach over there. You know, he told me how he saw me and how it would fit in. And, you know, that's how that happens. Um, and then about the transition for an American who, who's never been overseas at the time, it's, it's really, it's really nerve wracking, you know, like, um, you know, you're, you're signing a contract to spend, you know, almost the whole year overseas. So, you're anxious about it and, um, you, you don't know what to expect, but 
like I said, like once you get over there, especially with these bigger clubs and where I've been fortunate to end up, you know, they treat you really good. It's really, um, they help you get, you know, customized to everything. And, um, you know, you can fly your family out as well and everything. So, you know, it's actually a good opportunity for you to see the world and, and see that it's, it's more than just this, you know, so it opened my eyes up a lot and, um, you know, I love it. I, I, I do miss home at times, but like I said, you know, my family's able to come out there as well. So that helps out a lot. So then, you know, kind of a follow-up question to that, to that is, I mean, uh, what would you say are some of the biggest differences in the European game and having to, you know, go overseas and adjust to that versus what you saw here in the States in college and then in the, and then in the G league as well? Um, the biggest differences is probably, from the G League, I would say the NBA, you know, they have certain rules like three seconds in the paint. So that makes it more, um, you kind of, you know, more space out there on the court. And the overseas, there's no three seconds. So everybody, you know, it's clogged up in there. So, um, you know, they emphasize on, that's why they say it's harder to score overseas is because, you know, it's more team-oriented defense. So everything's locked in on you, all eyes are on you. You know, you got to play team basketball. It's just not no one-on-one out there like a lot of times in the NBA because it's not as much space. And then also the goaltending rule, you can hit the ball off the rim and all that. So mm. you can't just have those shots hanging or, you know, balls hanging on the rim because they're going to get knocked off and, you know, that's taking away points. So it's tougher in that aspect. And also the way they coach over there is, is, is obviously different. Um, sometimes your coach might not even speak English, you know, like uh, that, was, that was my uh, circumstance in France and your assistant coach or somebody's translating. So it, it um it's difficult in those areas, but at the end of the day, it's just basketball um, from high school to professional, you know, there might be different rules, different ways they play or something, but it's still, you know, you got to make shots. So if you, you know, you got to make shots, you got to play defense and you got to not, you know, not make too many mistakes, turnovers and everything. And if you can do that, I mean, you're pretty much set in the NBA overseas and uh, anywhere. So Jeremy, you, you got the opportunity then to go and say, all right, I'm going to move, make the move overseas. 18, 19 ended up playing in France, like John noted, played for Nanterre. And then the next season you ended up making a jump and you go, you move over to Andorra. And so mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about that. Cause from what, from what I understand, my basic understanding of European basketball is every country has a league and mm-hmm. the Andorans, you know, they're a tiny country in, in, you know, between France and Spain and they end up playing in the Spanish league. So talk about that transition going from the French league, now going to the Spanish league and kind of, you know, is there the rules? It sounds like are similar, but I mean, is there a difference in the style of play from one country to another? Talk to us a little bit about moving, you know, between the different leagues. Yeah. Um, from France, uh, you know, France is more of a, yeah, they let you play a little bit more. Um, so in France, I was able to, uh, play a lot more minutes. I, I think I averaged you know, over 25, 26 minutes and, and scored close to 15 points per game or something like that, 14 points, something. Um, so it's more, I would say freedom kind of out there in Spain. Um, the reason why they call the ACB, which is the league I played in the year, um, the Spanish league, ACB, um, tough, one of the toughest leagues, um, is because it's way more structured. They scout a lot more, um, it's rare that a player over there is going to play over 23 minutes. So, you know, you got to get your, you got to be efficient there, you know, cause you're not going to get so many shots in France. I could shoot maybe 15, 12 shots in a game in, in, in Spain. That's probably happening one, two times out of the whole season, you know, uh, in a special moment. So it is harder to, you know, um, to get yours in, 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 in Spain, but it's like I said, it's, it's better teams. So 
Um, your team's going to be stronger. There's going to be a lot of uh, players that can do certain things around you. Um, so you just got to kind of, like I said, think the game a little bit more over there and um, like be more efficient because you're not going to get as many shots as you would in the French league because the French league is more athletic and fast pace, faster pace. And the Spanish league is more, you know, half court, um, you know, scouting and, and very structured. Yeah. So it feels like sort of, a you see this between, you know, teams that have a lot more veterans in the NBA, as opposed to younger teams where they want to get out and they want to be in transition, right? They want to get yeah. out there. They want to get those easy buckets. Whereas the Spanish, they want to slow the game down. They want to, you know, get you into that half court set and make you beat them that way. Um, interesting. Um, so that's, that's a really good point, Jeremy. Cause like you said, you know, in, in, when you were playing in the French league, you know, you're taking about 10 shots a game. And, and like I said, you, you're doing great, man. Like four averaging 14 points. Uh, but then you get to the Spanish league and you know, those attempts go, they go down and you know, mm-hmm. you're only taking now seven, five, nine. Yeah. And uh, I think one thing I wanted to ask you, man, based on what you just said was you talked about how most people in the Spanish league, they're not playing maybe more than 23 minutes. Um, whereas, you know, it seems like maybe you've built some rapport with your coach. Cause, cause you're there, man. Like you average 24 points in the 2020, 2021 season in Liga mm-hmm. ACB. Uh, Talk to us maybe a little bit about that, like, you know, in your second season or I, at, with, with Andorra, with Mora yeah. Monk, like, talk to us a little bit about that, man. Like, and, you know, do you feel like you're kind of hitting a rhythm and getting a stride and getting your legs under you in this new setting? Yeah, for sure. Um, they always say your first year in Spain is, is, is obviously the toughest. And, um, you know, you're getting accustomed to the league, the change, uh, the pace, the coach and everything. So me going back a second time was me trying to, prove to myself that I can fit in there and play there. And also because I could, you know, had to talk with a coach during the summer and he, I, I could see that he trusted me. He trusted me more. He wanted to give me more opportunities. So, which, you know, he did. And I was able to take advantage of sometimes during the season, this season. So, um, yeah, like he, like I said, everything is based off situations of what, not only what you can do, but what you're allowed to do. So, um, if you have a coach and uh, teammates behind you that support you and know your game, and they can help complement that, you're going to be in a really good situation. So, um, yeah, this season was better. I had more opportunities, more more time on the court and more shot attempts. So, you know, it, that usually, you know, um, makes you have better stats, you know, at the end of the day. So um, just talking with the coach over the summer is what really made me kind of feel like I needed to go back and want to go back and give the ACB a second shot. And, you know, I'm glad I did, actually. Uh, Jeremy, not only do you play in the ACB when you play uh, when you play with Andorra, but you also play in the Euro Cup as well. So, could you explain to like the people listening at home, like basically the difference between like how the structure works between like the Euro Cup and the Euro League, and how that factors into your regular season as well? Yeah. So, so, so the ACB is the Spanish league. So that's every team, every country has their domestic league, their their league. So. You know, you got L and B, that's the French league, um, ACB, obviously the Spanish league, VTB is in Russia league. So, you you know, they all have their domestic uh, leagues, which are really competitive and strong. And then you have Euro league, which is the top, um, which is the top league in Europe. And you have the big, bigger clubs, you can say in there. And then you have Euro cup, which is right under that. Um, and then you have champions league. Feeble, and then there's other things after that. Um, so basically those are, um, 
like I said, Spanish league and the domestic league, the ACB is what you play and you only play Spanish teams. And when you play Euro cup, you play European competition. So that means that you can play, we play teams from Russia, France, uh, you play internationally. So you play different teams in different countries and it's a different competition. And usually that means you have more games in the uh, week. So with the amount of practice we do uh, overseas, they practice crazy, you know, two times a day for most of the season. Um, Cause you know, we only play like two games a week or something, but they make up for it in those practices. And um, then you got your European competition games, which is the Euro cup games. And then you got your domestic league games, which is the Spanish league games for the ACB. So it's kind of weird. I never understood it, especially uh, when I was just playing in the States, but um, yeah, it's a lot over there, man. So it's a lot and it's, it's kind of confusing. So with that being said, from what, cause you're right, it is confusing. And you know, if you a soccer fan and you're listening to, to this, it doesn't seem to work like, you know, how clubs qualify for the champions league or the Europa league or stuff like that. Yeah. You, your performance in the Euro cup determines whether or not you actually get to qualify for the Euro league. Correct. It's not based on your performance in the ACB. Is that how that works? So, so yes. So, so, well, so the, so the ACB is very respected. It's a very respected league. So if you win the ACB, um, you have, you go into Euro league because basically if you win the ACB, that means you're beating Barcelona, Madrid, that's you're beating top teams. Cause they're in our league, you know? So you, if you win the ACB, that means you beat those teams who are in the EuroLeague. So that gives you a qualification to play uh, in the EuroLeague. But um, so the ACB is a strong league and not all leagues will let you do that, though. Um, few would um, like the Russian League, the strong leagues, Russian League, uh, France. I don't believe you win the French League. You're, it doesn't mean you're automatically going to EuroLeague. It's just really a couple of them. I think it's VTB, the Russian League and the uh, Spanish League. But yeah, so if you win the um, Euro Cup, you're automatically guaranteed a spot into the EuroLeague the, fall, the next year. Um, and also about the ACB, if you're, uh, and how these things work, if you finished um, last or second to last, you are promoted down. You're demoted. You're down. You go down to the second league. And the winner of the second league uh, goes up, gets promoted to the ACB. So that's how that works as well. So, so they have relegation in basketball like they do in soccer as well. Yes. Yes. You can get, um, yeah, brought down if you were like the bottom two and you will get brought up if you, uh, finish first and win the championship in the second league. So Jeremy, you talked a little bit about the difference between domestic leagues, right? You know, making your transition away from France now playing in one of the, the, the tougher leagues in Europe in the Spanish and that bears out in FIBA. You know, the Spanish always have a good, good squad that play at least in the semifinals, you know, sometimes yeah. they're playing the Americans in the final, but Talk to us a little bit about, you know, when you're playing those Euro Cup games and kind of the, the transition in style even there, because it seems like th there could potentially be a difference there, mm -hmm. even within, you know, differing leagues across, you know, differing domestic leagues. Yeah, the, um, the Euro Cup, you, we play with different balls. So, you know, you got to get you got to practice with if you're about to have a Euro Cup game, you got to practice with their ball and get away from the uh, ACB ball. And, you know, um, so that that's a difference. And then also. Um, the teams are different. So you could be playing a team from um, Turkey, which is more freestyling. They, they let them kind of go up and down more. So you got to get ready for that. And you could be playing a team from France, which is usually stronger athletic. So every, every country has a different style of play, the way they're coached, the way they, uh, you know, their, their players are. So you have to prepare for uh, them in certain ways. 
And also um, when you play these games, sometimes you don't have so much time to scout. So sometimes you're um, for a lot of ACB games, you, you know, you, you play these teams throughout the year a lot. You know, the coaches know them that, you know, you know them because you obviously are there in the same domestic league as you, but in these European competitions, you might have three games, uh, three days of scout or something like that, you know, and you're traveling. So it's just, it's a whole different style. It's a whole different preparation. And you just honestly have to just foot lock in as much as you can. And, um, you know, try, <laughs> try to get it done sometimes. Yeah, man. Uh, I was going to ask you, Jeremy, you know, we talked a lot about kind of how this all works and stuff. And uh, I want to talk about your game though, man, a little bit, because, you know, saw you play for four years at Weber state. Um, we know the kind of player you are. You're definitely a guy who hits threes since, you know, you got that record. And then, uh, but also, you know, you're a guy who, you, when you, you could really do a number on guys when you could cut to the basket. And so talk to me a little bit about how maybe your style has changed since, you know, you played in the G league and now you're playing overseas and, you know, you're getting different kinds of coaching. Like how has your game changed as you progressed in your professional career? Um, I would say it changed in a way as in Weber, I was more off the ball, you know, going off staggers, like a two guard um, shooting a lot more. And, and since I've been in the, you know, professionally, I've been more on the ball. So I've been um, more put at the point guard position. So having to read off pick and rolls and, um, you know, play one-on-one more with the, with the ball in my hands and not have too many uh, of those opportunities coming off screens or down screens or anything. So I kind of got away from that, especially being in Spain and France um, because our point guard at that time got hurt. So I had to kind of play more of the point guard position. So I would say, yeah, like just, uh, probably being more on the ball is what changed the most since Weber, uh, on the, at Weber, I, I wasn't on the ball as much, you know, I was on the ball at times, but you know, not so much. I was more, like I said, a two guard. So, uh, being a professional, I would say I'm on the ball a lot more and, um, a lot more pick and rolls, a lot more one-on-one, uh, situations with the ball. So I would say a change in that regard the most. What would you say, you know, cause you, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of a European bet now. I mean, you've played three full seasons over there. So yeah. what's the one thing that, what's the one thing that you would say that is like, you, you take a look back when you look back at your career so far and you're like, wow, that was really cool that I got to do that. Like what, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate, you know, I'm, that was, you know, that whole experience was really, really awesome. What's the one thing about your first three years over in Europe that you would say you, if you would say that that would be. Um, I would say if everywhere I've been, I've just been able to um, get my family out there, you know, get my family out there for basically for free of charge for them, you know, uh, let them experience um, and see the Eiffel Tower, see, you know, see Paris, see Barcelona, see Andorra. My mom came, you know, Germany, you know, because I was in Germany for a little bit. So just having letting my family get the experience of traveling and seeing the world where Maybe they would have done that if I, if I wasn't overseas or never went, but I mean, you know, maybe they did. And, and now they're able to see things that, you know, a lot of people haven't seen or don't see. And, um, you know, like I said, um, and it's, 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 um, you know, free of charge to them, you know, so being able to do that and, and have those memories and opportunities with them is, is, is probably the best thing I would say looking back on it so far. So Jeremy, uh, I wanted to t- dig into that a little bit more. You know, I was thinking my next question was about, you know, you basketball's taking you a lot of places, man. I mean, you, you know, starting out in Arlington, you're from there coming to mm-hmm. Ogden, Utah, which I'm sure was 
different <laughs> than yeah, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and then, you know, playing a little bit out in, out in the East coast. And now, like you said, like you just talked about traveling all over Europe and getting to see some really cool stuff and, and bringing your family along to see some of that stuff too. And so for you, man, like as making that transition, you know, how, how have, have you been, you know, personally, like being in so many different countries, you know, cause like the European game is so different, you know, cause you're playing in the U S like everywhere you go is basically the U S like, you know, we're not, we're not really, yeah. it's our country's a continent, but then you get mm-hmm. overseas and now you're in all these different places. And like, and like you mentioned earlier, talking to coaches, sometimes there's a language barrier. Like talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about that, man. Like, how do you, uh, as a player, how do you kind of overcome some of those things? Cause like I went on study abroad when I was a student, I studied Arabic in the middle East. And, uh, you know, yeah. after, after like two weeks in Amman, Jordan, you know, I got culture shock. I'm trying to figure out how to just like get something to eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So talk to us yeah. a little bit about like making that transition as an American abroad, you know, just trying to make things happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's very tough, especially, um, you know, when you're out there by yourself, cause you know, my family didn't stay with me for the whole nine months I'm there, you know? Um, so, you know, you have moments when you're by yourself. Um, uh, but what helps out a lot is, is usually there's another American or a couple other Americans, uh, out there with you on the same team. So, you know, that, that helps out a lot. But, um, the main thing for me, that's tough is the food. Like you said, just mm-hmm. like, you know, you have your spots at home and you, you know, you got to just find, I would say the main thing you need to do is just explore. You can't just be stuck on one thing or one spot. You have to go out there and try different things. You have to go out there and, and just try, because if you, you know, don't, you're going to go crazy out there, you know? So, um, I would say that. And then also like, uh, in the leagues I've been playing in being in the top leagues, it's, I would, it's not as hard for, for me because they, they, they help out so much over there. You know, they help out with a translator. Like I say, your teammates typically speak English. Um, um, then they, they, they set you up, they set you up really well over there. Um, and if you need have a problem or anything, you know, um, they, they're, they're very helpful. So, where I've been and hopefully everywhere I go from now on, it's like the same, but, um, they're, they're very helpful. So, um, like I said, the main thing is the food is tough, but you just got to go out there and try, try to experiment, experience, uh, different things. And then, um, you know, the time, the time difference is, is, is tough too, because there's times where I'm up and I want to talk to somebody, uh, but I can't because they're obviously, you know, they're sleep seven hour difference or so. Yeah, so eight, seven, eight hours. So that, yeah. that, that's tough too. Or, or, or I'm asleep and they call me at four in the morning, you know? So, uh, you got to kind of explain that to people and everything, but, um, that's tough too. But, um, once you get on a schedule and, um, you know, kind of let people know and you try to work things out around their time, your time, it, it, it gets easy, but yeah, you do have to work through things and uh, try different things and just be patient. And so, I mean, and you're even, I think even in a more unique situation, Jeremy, because not only are you playing ACB playing in the Spanish league, but you're playing out of Andorra which is, you know, this, this tiny country, there's, it's not super big, you know, they've got pretty much one city that, you know, before the show we talked about, it's not, it's kind of like Utah and I agree with that, you know, up in the mountains. Yeah. Uh, and so like, talk to us a little bit about that, where it's like, you're kind of, not only are you playing professionally in a foreign land, but you're playing in a tiny, in a micro country that's mm-hmm. really got like one big city and the next yeah. closest major city is Barcelona. That's a few hours mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Andorra is very small and it can get very, you know, very boring. I, it's, it's probably a, it's, a, it's a good country for, you know, families and everything. So when my family was with me and everything, it's, it's great because it's safe. It's clean. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, it has that one, um, like you said, that one kind of big town or city or whatever. But um, but it, it has pretty much everything you need. It has malls, has movie theater. So it, it's 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 nice and everything. But um, when we do have our off days and you want to get away, it is a, it's a two hour, it's about two hour, 15, two and 15 uh, hour drive to Barcelona. So that's what we would do, like to get away to a bigger city, uh, go out there, stay in a hotel a couple of nights or whatever, you know. Um, but other than that, yeah, you, you're stuck in Andorra. And, um, but like I said, with your family, it's very nice. It's clean. Um, you know, there's, there's more than what you would think to do out there, actually. Um, more, more than what you would think of how, by how small it is. But um, yeah, you learn how to, you, the, the main thing I learned being overseas is you learn how to be by yourself. You know, like, um, I talk to my sister about it all the time and there's so much things to do here in Dallas and all that. But, um, when you're stuck to like by yourself or not stuck, but when you're by yourself, you learn how to be by yourself. And, um, uh, like I said, it takes a lot of time and patience, but there's times where I can just sit on the couch, watch TV walk around a little bit and I'm by myself, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. So I, I've learned how to do that. Yeah. I mean, you pick up any hobbies, you know, like you said, you got a lot of time kind of by yourself. You pick up any yeah. interesting hobbies or anything cool since you've been in Europe. Um, I like, uh, what's crazy. I've been reading, which I didn't do a lot. <laughs> and uh, I've been reading a lot. Um, I play a lot of when I'm overseas, I play a lot of Warzone, mm. which I didn't, uh, I do that, uh, with my teammates and stuff. And, you know, walking, going on walks and everything like um, with my music and just chilling sounds boring, but that's just things to get away your mind off basketball. You know, that's what I use mind off basketball and all that with all that pressure you have or all that, you know, speaking or all that, you know. So those are the things that I use to to get away. So um, and those are kind of like, I guess, in cooking, I guess. I mean, I've been trying to I try to cook different things while I'm over there. I mess up a lot of things as well. But, um, you know, you just order food. If that happens, that's what I usually do. Throw it away, order food, try again the next day. So, uh, those are my new hobbies right there. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, a, cu- a, cu- a couple quick follow-ups right there. First and most importantly, you said you play Warzone. What's your KD right now? My KD is in great. Cause I started off and it was bad. That's around, you say 1. 1. 1.0 something. I don't know around that. It's okay. over one, over one. I'm not, I'm not, uh, obviously that bad, but yeah, it's overwhelming. Oh, very, very, very respectable. And I think um, I, ha- then- I haven't played since I've been back in the States, but I was playing for like three months hard straight, four months. And I think I have uh, close to 22 wins, I think 21 or something like that. There you go. So okay. Get, okay. Get somewhere with well, it. Well, I'm, you know, I'm glad, uh, you know, I'm glad that everybody's quarantine activity also translates to professional athletes as well. Cause that kind of, yeah. that definitely took off uh, last year. And then um, I guess this next question will be a two-part question. Um, number one, what has been your favorite city to play in so far when you've been overseas? And then number two, European fans are known to be pretty passionate about their teams. What's the craziest environment that you've played in so far? Okay. The number one. So the, basically the number one city or country I, I've been to, um, ooh, I love Paris. I mean, I was there, uh, I, I would say Paris is, I love Paris and Venice in Italy, Venice, Italy. 
those are probably the most two ni- nicest and most fun I had. And the craziest fans, the crowd I've experienced was in Halon in Israel. They're crazy. They, oh, I'm sorry, in Greece too. Greece, when I went to the Final Four Champions, Champions League game. Um, they're crazy, man. They, they smoke in the arena. Uh, this is pre-COVID too, so they're smoking in the arena. Shirts are off. I, I have videos, like it was like, I think it was sold out like 20,000 people in there. Um, man, they're, I'm talking about just crazy. They're hammering on things. And then that was in Greece. And then alone, we beat them at their court to make it to the lead eight in uh, Champions League. And our teammate was getting into it with the crowd. And they were trying to like throw things at them, you know, spit on them and everything. We got on the bus. They, they tried to attack their coach on the, cause for losing the game. So like they do those two countries right there, are, they get crazy, but they're supportive. They're, they support their fans and they go crazy for them too, though. So you gotta be careful, man. That is wild. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, uh, we wanted to, you know, wrap this up, man. Appreciate you taking a little bit of time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly about, you know, your professional career. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to ask, man, like, you know, for us yeah, hanging out here in the U.S., if how do we how do we watch, you know, some of this EuroLeague play, or how do how do we get yeah. you on TV if we want to see you, man? Um, they have a year just like the, you know how the NBA has um, NBA League Pass. Mm-hmm. They have the same thing for EuroLeague. Uh, EuroLeague, I don't know what it's called. If you type in EuroLeague Pass or whatever. Um, they, they play the EuroLeague and EuroCup games because they're owned by the same uh, people. Champions League is different. Um, but, um, yeah, so you just get that EuroLeague pass. And then, um, yeah, and then for the a- domestic league games, for like ACB, VTB, you would just probably have to Google, you know, whatever that league's name is, basketball and uh, stream. And I think it's that simple for that. But um, for sure, for the EuroLeague and EuroCup games, you have to get the pass. But they speak English. Because uh, they know it's international, uh, the commentators speak English, and it's it's clear as the NBA league pass. So that's that's all he will have to do. So there you go, Wildcat fans. If you're looking to get a load of what you know Jeremy's been able to do in ACB and beyond, hit the internet, uh, check out Euro League, or get that pass. Because not only you know it's not just Jeremy, we got a couple other Wildcats playing in Europe as well. So check them out. So. Jeremy Sanglin, man, wanted to thank you again for taking some time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. Really appreciate you, man. Wish you the best of luck next season, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at an alumni game here in Ogden real, real soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. <laughs>